Happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. Hope you guys are having a good day today, or will have a good day. Uh, a couple announcements. Don't forget, next Sunday right after church is a congregational meeting, so you want to make sure you'll be here for that. Next Sunday right after church, congregational meeting, and I encourage you to, to be here. It'll be good. And um, I think grace groups are this week as well. If you want to turn to 1 Kings chapter 2, 1 Kings chapter 2. Today is a Father's Day message, obviously, because it is Father's Day, but really it's for any and everyone. So this applies to to wives, to mothers, to children, anybody, Uh, men who aren't married yet, dating, whatever, Um, applies to everybody, but more geared for fathers. The title of the message today, we want to talk about upgrade with power, upgrade with power. 1 Kings chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Once you're there, if you want to stand as we read God's word together, it's 1 Kings chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. When David, King David, when David's time to die drew near, he commanded Solomon, his son, saying, I'm about to go the way of all the earth. In other words, I'm about to die. Be strong and show yourself a man and keep the charge of the Lord your God, walking in his ways and keeping his statutes, his commandments, his rules, and his testimonies, as it is written in the law of Moses, so that you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you go, that the Lord may establish his word that he spoke concerning me, saying, if your sons pay close attention to their, to their way, to walk before me in faithfulness with all their heart and with all their soul, you will not lack a man on the throne of Israel. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word that is true, that is unchanging, that is timeless. Lord, we come to your word today, not that it would, uh, we would shape it to fit what we think, but rather, Lord, that your word would shape us to have your thinking, that your word would mold us, Lord. Holy Spirit, that it would pour over us, not just a nice sermon that we hear for 30 minutes on a Sunday, but truly be planted in our heart that it would produce fruit that's pleasing to you and shape our worldview. Lord, we give this service to you. We're nothing without you. Continue to move and stir our hearts today. Lord, may you open up our hearts and minds to receive your word. May you anoint these lips of clay and flesh that they be your words and not mine. We love you and thank you. And again, we're truly nothing without you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen, you can have a seat. Again, happy Father's Day. Upgrade with power, what we want to talk about. These are the last few words that David gave to his son. And the reason why we want to talk about upgrade with power, we live in a world, and I'm sure that you know this, if you just watch five seconds of a commercial, typically almost every commercial is geared toward making your life better. Uh, but the catch is you got to spend money to do it. And the catch of, of commercials and advertising and marketing is your life is not good enough the way it is. Now, as a Christians, we know that's not true. But they market that and say your life isn't good enough the way it is. Or you may have this certain product, but to enjoy the fullness of the product, you need to upgrade. So it's not enough that you have a cell phone. You need to have a smartphone. Well, if you've got a smartphone, I mean, that's not good enough. You need to have the iPhone 6. It's the size of the old big long cell phones that they first came out in the 90s. You remember those? Or, you know, if you, if you fly a lot, well, it's not just enough to be, a, uh, you know, a gold level member. You need to be a diamond level member. And we have some of those. And if you're just a diamond level, then there's a platinum level. I'm like on the aluminum level, which is like down by the baggage, you know, when I fly. So there's all these things. It's not just enough 
to have a car that runs with four wheels that get you to A to B. No, you need to have a nicer car with all the bells and whistles. And that's not enough. You got to have a super nice car. And it's not just enough to have a nice four walled house with a roof that keeps you warm in the winter and cool in the summer. You've got to have a 5,000 square foot house and so on. And I'm not saying these things are bad, but you and I as Americans are constantly everywhere you turn, every moment of every day are bombarded with upgrade, upgrade, upgrade. And many times in life when you're doing something, uh, when you go to cash out, even at the grocery store or Walmart or wherever, you know, they ask you, are you a, are you a member of our thing? Uh, well, no, well, we can upgrade you to be this or that and for a certain fee and so on. Everything is upgraded. And I'm not saying those things are necessarily bad. But the reality is the Bible tells us the last words that David gives his son, King David, one of the greatest kings in the entire history of the nation of Israel, the last words he gives his son are all about upgrade your life, Solomon, with power. And we're going to talk about that today. That Solomon, you could go out and do what I did and do great things for God and be a great king, be a great military leader, a great tactician, a great uh, strategist and all these things. You could do all this great stuff and that's fine. But Solomon, I want a better life for you. In other words, as the father is telling his son, praying over his son and blessing his son, and we don't do that in America today, but in the ancient world and in even Middle Eastern countries today, the blessing of the father to the son was huge. I mean, it, it really set you for life. And that's what David is doing to his boy. He is blessing him. He is given the blessing of life. And it's not just live a, you know, live long and prosper. No, it's I want you to upgrade. In other words, Solomon, if you'll do these things, I believe and I know that your life with God will be better than mine. David had a great life with God, if you, if you don't know. He did great things for God. The Bible says he was a man after God's heart. So God and David were close. They were tight. God loved David and David loved God. He did great things for God. But David is telling his son, you can have it better than I had it. You need to upgrade, and here's how. And that's what we want to talk about today. I think it's interesting as well. I always love, and, and you probably know this, but the, someone's last words are, are really what stick with you, and they really help shape and define your memory of that person. You know, I can remember a lot of things about, about my family and about my parents, but I'm sure that when it comes time, hopefully it's a long time, but when it comes time for my parents to pass away, I will remember the last words they spoke. And some of you, you know, my story, my, my mother passed away when I was eight. I remember her last words. I remember the very last sentence she said. I'll never forget it. And the last words are typically the most important. And these are the last words of one of the greatest kings in the history, I would say the history of the world, one of the greatest leaders, one of the greatest men of God in the entire planet that history has ever seen. And the last words he gives his son could be about anything. Solomon, now look, here's, here's the, how I built this, but I wasn't able to finish it. And so here's the plans and the blueprints to finish building the city of Jerusalem. Here's how you need to do it. Well, Solomon, you know, I, I, I wanted to build God a house or a temple or we, we call them churches, but a place to worship God and I couldn't do it. So here's the designs. And he could have focused on anything he wanted to. The last dying breath, the last hours of his life, he could have talked about literally anything. And notice what he chooses to talk about. And it's very, very short, but it's very, very to the point. I don't know about you, but, but some of you, hopefully your father is still alive. Some of you did not have good relationships with your father, and, and, and we understand that. And that's, that's tragic and sad. But think, what were the last words 
of someone significant in your life, your father, your mother. Maybe it was like an adopted father, an adopted mother that, you know, biologically they weren't your father or mother, but someone who really poured into your life, someone who helped impact and shape your life. What were the last words that they said to you? And how has that impacted your life? It may have been decades ago, and you still remember those words as if it was yesterday. You live by those words. Those have become your creed, your motto, those last words. And some of us, I want you to think about this, that if you were to give your children, dads, men, if you're going to give your kids one final piece of advice, if you're going to die when the sun goes down today, you're going to die. Hopefully that doesn't happen. That'd be horrific, especially after I just talked about it. But uh, as the sun goes down today, if you're about to die, what would the final piece of advice be for your kids, your sons, your daughters? Think about that. What would it be? If you could choose one statement, one phrase, one key point about life, or maybe two or three key points about life, what would it be? Kids, I'm about to die. I will not be around when uh, your kids graduate high school or get married or go to college. I won't be there for that. But here's what I want you to pass on to the next generation. Here are some principles and rules that I want you to live by. You can forget everything else, whether you think I was a good father or a lousy father. Forget all that. Just listen to these, this, these last words. Etch them in stone. Carry them around with you wherever you go. These are so important. These are rules to live by. What would it be? The last moments of your life. You're going to die tonight. What would you grab your kids and tell them? And that is exactly what David is doing to his son. David had other sons. Some of them were kind of rotten. Um, Solomon turned out pretty good. But this is exactly what's going on. We are in the, the bedroom of King David, his last moments on this planet before he dies. He could have said, Solomon, if you want to be a great king, here's what you need to do. You need to tax the people at 5%. You need to tax the people at 10%. You need to have a great foreign policy plan, Solomon, to be a good king. Solomon, I know you're going to be a king. You need to have a, a military of 100,000 men. Solomon, you want to be a good leader? Here's what you got to do. No. So men today, I love what David says. I mean, I, I encourage you men, you know, uh, like shave this in your chest hair, okay, so that you don't forget it, all right? Whatever you got to do, you write it down, but you remember this. This is, a, this is a manly sermon. It applies to everybody, but a manly sermon. Look at what he says. The first few words David tells his son, could have told him anything. The last words that he says, be strong and what? Show yourself a man. Yeah, that's what I'm talking I can just hear like a Harley engine in the background revving up when I read that. I can just see a guy in leather, you know, leather chaps. And I, can, I just get that image when I hear that. Be strong and show yourself a man. In other words, no sissies allowed, Solomon. You're going to be a man. You're going to be a man's man. I love that he says that. Show yourself a man. The first thing we want to talk about is, is following these verses. That real power, in other words, when he says, show yourself a man, be a strong man, be a strong leader. That's how we would translate that in Hebrew. Be a strong man, a strong leader, a powerful man, a powerful leader. How? Real power is submission to God. I love what he does. He sets, he sets his son up because he says, Solomon, I want you to be strong and show yourself a man. So, yeah, I can do that. I can bench press 350, you know. He's, he's thinking that. But David goes on to define and explain what a real man is. He tells us what is a real man. Verse 3, he tells us, how and keep the charge of the Lord your God. 
walking in his ways and keeping his statutes, his commandments, his rules, and his testimonies as it is written in the law of Moses. In other words, he says this, Solomon, I want you to be a man's man. I want you to be a powerful man. I don't want you to be a sissy. I don't want you to be a wimp. I don't just want you to kind of limp through life and kind of skate through life and you clock in, you clock out, you do your routine. No, no, no. I want you to be a strong man, a powerful man. And here's how you're going to do it. You submit to God in all that you do. You follow God's ways. You follow God's words. Everything that you do in every way that you do it all day in every situation. That your life, Solomon, would be consumed with not just studying the pages of God's word, but internalizing them, letting them, as we prayed a few moments ago, pour over your life, shape your life. That in other words, Solomon, I will not be around to guide you 10 years from now or 20 years from now. When you face major decisions about battle or you face major decisions about building things and moving things and all the, being a king and a leader and being a man, I won't be around. But the word of God will be around forever and ever and ever. Let it be your guide, that it would shape your heart and mold your heart, that in all that you do, in other words, David is saying, Solomon, I want you to be a real man. How is that defined? A real man with real power submits to God. Now, in our culture, in our context today, that's a dichotomy. That, that doesn't really jive together. Real men are all about authority and all about power. We put our foot down. What we say goes, it's black and white and it's cut and dry and so on. That's what culture tells you as a man. That's not what the Bible says. And that's really not obviously what David said. David said the opposite. David said, real men are real power are men that submit to God. Not just on Sunday mornings from 1045 to noon. That's not real. No, 24-7, 365. All the time and all that you do, you let God's word internalize in your life. You live by it. You follow it. You let it guide you and guide your children and so on. I won't be around, Solomon, but God's word will. Real power is submission to God. Men, you can, you can make hundreds of thousands of dollars, and I hope that you do. I think that's great. But if you don't fully submit to God, you're not a real man. You're just not. Men, you can bench press my truck. You're not a man. That doesn't make you a man. You can hit a home run. And that would be really impressive if it would. And you should probably go play for the Pirates because they need your help right now. But that doesn't make you a man. What makes you a man is one definition and one definition only. Fully submitting your life to God completely. Giving not just your life, but the Bible says in Ephesians 5 that, that you are the spiritual head of your home and you're the spiritual leader of your home. And so here's what happens. That when you say, God, I submit my life to you. God, I give you everything. I give you my life. Then in effect, what you're saying is not just I give you my life, but God, as the spiritual head and leader of my home, I am also submitting my family to you. God, I'm giving my marriage to you, my wife to you, my kids to you, my job to you, my career to you, my money to you. God, I don't just submit me, but as I am submitting me as the spiritual leader and head of my home, I am setting the direction and the tone of my family and my household. And God, when I submit to you, I really submit my family to you. That's what you're doing. That's what you should be doing. You can do all great things, but unless you have full submission to God, it doesn't matter. When you think about this, why do you think King David chose to focus on power in his final blessing to his son Solomon. Again, this guy, David, could have focused on anything. 
He could have reminisced about the day he killed Goliath. He could have reminisced about all the great accomplishments that he did, all these pieces of advice, anything he could do. But he focuses on one theme, power. Why? I think that's interesting. Why would he focus on power in his blessing of his son Solomon? Because he understood there's no real power unless it's full submission to God. Men, anything without full submission to God is not power. The more you submit to God, the more power you have. The New Testament says that in, in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul, who was a man of real power, Paul writes and he says that, that where uh, I was weak, God's grace abounded. In other words, there is power in weakness. And that goes against culture. You know, you go to your work tomorrow and Tim and Bob, who you work with, and you say, I submit to God and I submit everything to him and there's power and weakness. They're going to look at you like you've got a third eye coming out of your forehead. And, and to them, you do. But the reality is, that's true. The more you submit to God, the more power God will give you in your life. Second thing is, there's power in submission to God leads to prosperity. Power in submission to God leads to prosperity. Verses 3 and 4, I love. So again, he says, you need to be strong and you need to be a man. And here's how you're going to be a man. Submit to God in all that you do. Follow the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then he continues on. Here's what's going to happen if you follow God. Uh, the end of verse 3, he says, uh, And keep the charge of the Lord your God, walking in his ways, keeping his statutes, his commandments, his rules, and his testimonies as written in the law of Moses. Now look at this. In other words, if you do that, you will prosper in all that you do and wherever you turn that the Lord may establish his word that he spoke concerning me. If your sons pay close attention to their way to walk before me in faithfulness with all their heart and with all their soul, you will not lack a man on the throne of Israel. Isn't this amazing? Notice there is a connection between the more, if you want to have more power as a man, and I love, I love the old show in the 1990s, and, and I'm sure you remember it, uh, Home Improvement and, and Tool Time with Tim Taylor. I love that. I have it on DVD, a couple of see, great show. And that was his whole thing, more power. The dishwasher, it needs more power. And he'd have a little grunt with it. And uh, that's what's going on here. You want to upgrade your life. You want more power? You got to submit more. But here's the great thing is that the more you submit with that real power that you get, it also, the other great thing is it gives you prosperity. And we're not giving a prosperity gospel or anything like that. Like you give $10, God will give you a thousand. That's not in the Bible. That's just a joke. But what we're saying is, look at what he says. So that if you follow God, if you submit to him, if you obey his word, that you will prosper in all that you do and wherever you turn. Men, do you want to prosper? Do you want to upgrade? your life? Do you want to upgrade your marriage? Do you want to upgrade your kids? Do you want to upgrade your career, your life? All these things? The answer I would hope would be yes. Here's how. Submit to God. The more you submit, the more power you'll have. And the more power you have, the more God will bless you. And what submission really is, is being a good steward. In other words, what submission is is saying, God, I don't own my family. I don't own my wife. I don't own my kids. They're on loan to me from you. I don't own it. They're on loan. And so, God, I submit to you. I give them back to you. The direction of our family, I give back to you. As someone said earlier when we were praying, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. It's that kind of mindset. God, this is your house, not mine. Whatever the address is that you live on, that's God's house, men. I've told you before that, that when we bought our house years ago, we went through the very first night we moved in. We took... Um, 
a bottle of anointing oil. It's not magical or special, but we believe that that's biblical. And we went through and we anointed the doorpost of the inside, the outside of every room in our house and prayed over that house. God, this isn't our house. It's yours. You blessed us with it. You gave it to us. Now, God, we give it back to you. I do that with my vehicles. I do that with my animal if I would. That might be a little weird, but I do it with everything. There's power in submission and it leads to prosperity. You want to be blessed in your life, men? You want to have a marriage that'll rock your socks off? Submit to God. You want to be blessed wherever you turn, whatever you put your hands to? It's not hard. It's not complicated. It's not a a magical formula. It's biblical that you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you turn. I turn to the right, I'm blessed. I turn to the left, I'm blessed. I go before me and I'm blessed. I look behind me and I'm blessed. Blessing follows me. It chases me. It hunts me down wherever I go. It is focused like a laser on my life. Why? Because I've given my life to him. It's not mine. I submit everything to him. Notice the connection between verses 3 and 4. When you fully submit, you fully get God's blessing. Some of us wonder as men, why our marriage is troubled, why our families are troubled, or why our, you know, uh, our job is troubled, all these things. And I'm not saying this is the the, the blanket statement or the catch-all, but it could be one thing that as a man you need to assess and you need to pray about in prayer. Am I fully submitting everything to God? Not like 90% of the easy stuff, but 10% of the hard stuff I keep to myself. No, I fully submit everything to God. My money, my job, my family, all of it, I give to him. My secret things that nobody knows about but me. No, I give it all to him. Maybe the reason why you're having struggles in life and things aren't working out and dead end after dead end in life and things can never come together is you're doing the opposite of this verse. This verse says so that you will prosper in all that you do wherever you turn. You're not prospering wherever you turn and all that you do. It's heartache. Why? It might be. I'm not saying that it totally is, but you need to pray about it. Maybe because you're not totally submitted. I love the connection. When you fully submit, you fully get God's blessing. That doesn't mean that life is going to be a bed of roses, men. That doesn't mean, well, I'm fully submitted, so now I get, you know, all the time blessing. No, there's still problems, there's still challenges, there's still issues. But by and large, on the whole of your life, it's blessed. You're blessed. You're blessed. The only thing that will stop God's blessing in your life is when you don't submit. And not just don't submit like, well, I'm, for eternity, I'm going to heaven. No, 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 I get that. I understand that. But I'm saying for every detail of your life. Notice what David said here in, in verse uh, 3. He says, be strong, show yourself a man. Verse 3, and keep the charge of the Lord your God, walking in his ways, keeping his statutes, his commandments, his rules, his testimonies, as is written in the law of Moses. Seven things. David is like, I'm making this a lawyer airtight case. There is no wiggle room. There's no room for interpretation. You want to be blessed, Solomon? You follow God completely. You fully submit to him. It's not, well, follow God as long as it's easy, as long as it works out. No, he lists seven things as if there's no room for doubt, no room for confusion. You follow God. When you do that, when you fully submit, you fully get God's blessing. And third, if you want to uh, turn, if not, that's okay, I can read it for us. But in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 22 through 25. 2 Timothy chapter 2, 22 through 25. Third thing we want to look at for a few moments is before you can give it, you have to live it. Before you can give it, you have to live it. 2 Timothy chapter 2, 
verse 22. Here's another guy, a powerful man, in my opinion. I don't know how much he could bench press. I don't know if he ever rode a Harley. I, I really doubt it, but he might have rode a camel really fast. You know, I don't know. But, but this was a powerhouse of a man, and his name was Paul. And he hated Christians for a long time. He killed them, put them in jail, until he fully submitted to God. And his life, at times, was incredibly blessed and, at times, incredibly challenging. But these are literally the last words we have of Paul. That should have been the title of today, is Last Words. We looked at the last words of the greatest king that ever lived in the Old Testament, King David. Now we're going to look at one of the greatest men besides Jesus that ever lived, Paul. His very last words to, to his, uh, I don't want to get all weird, but his spiritual son, which would be Timothy. Not biologically, but he mentored this young guy named Timothy. He trained him up. And these are his last words. Paul was about to be ch his head chopped off. And these are his last words to his spiritual son, so to speak. This is what he says. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22. So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know that they breed quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with, gentle, with gentleness, God may perhaps grant them repentance leading to the knowledge of truth. And then he goes on to explain that. But I, I want to focus just for, on this verse, but it says able to teach. Now, some of you, when you read that as men, you might kind of check out right there. You might say, now, well, wait a minute. I'm not a pastor. I'm not in a ministry. Hey, let me tell you. Yeah, Paul probably meant teaching in a church setting. But men, you know what your number one job is? Teach your kids. That is really like the number one prerequisite for being a dad, teaching your kids. What am I going to teach them? How to fish? How to, you know, cheer for the pirates? No, no, no. What you teach them is how to love their wife. And you teach them that by loving your wife. You teach them how to be a man's man, a strong man, a powerful man. How? By going out and killing a big animal? No, that's cool. Uh, lifting, you know, lots of weight? No. You teach them how to be a man's man by submitting to God. You teach them the ways of God, able to teach as a man. Don't check out when you read that and say, well, that's just for pastors. Absolutely not. That's an excuse, and I'm calling you on it. No, when it says able to teach, it means you teach your kids. You teach your kids how to love a woman. You teach your kids how to treat children and how to raise children. And most of all, you teach your kids how to love God, how to have a heart for him, how to serve. I, don't, I didn't say love church necessarily. I didn't say love religion. Absolutely not. I said love the Lord your God. It's amazing to me that it's almost like if you could take David's words back in the Old Testament 2,000 years before Paul wrote those words and expand them a little bit, some of these key themes are still there. Flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Are you doing that, men? Youthful passions? Are you pursuing righteousness? Are you pursuing faith? that God increase my faith, God, take me deeper, take me to that next level, increasing love for him and others, peace in your life, and do you have a pure heart? Have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know, they lead to quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone. Again, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. Are you doing those things? We looked at David, a great man, a man's man, his last words to his boy. Now we're looking at another great man, a man's man, a man of power, Paul. 
and his words to his spiritual son, Timothy. Last words by some powerhouse men. In my opinion, these are the two greatest men in Scripture besides Jesus, of course. And you have to say that because if you don't say Jesus, people get mad. No, I'm kidding. We really mean Jesus is the greatest, of course. But before you can give it, you have to live it. What we mean is, what I mean is, men, before you can give your kids that blessing, remember we said in the very beginning, what would your last words be to your kids? And hopefully you've been thinking about that. Before you can give those last words, you need to live the life that backs those words up. Let me tell you something. There's nothing worse, I believe, there's nothing more tragic in your life. It has nothing to do with how much money you leave your kids or how little money or anything like that. There's almost, and some of you know this, unfortunately, because of your own painful experiences in your relationship with your dad, and we're sorry. But some of you understand that there's nothing worse than having a hypocritical father or having a father that leaves a very negative legacy in your life, a very negative impression, that sometimes it took you years, and some of you are still wrestling and grappling with the pain that when someone says, Father, you have those negative images that come up. And I apologize. That's, that's hurt. No person should ever have to go through that. But you did. The good thing is you're here today. God's faithful. Those last words, what if... You lived a heathen lifestyle. I mean, you were wild. You were, uh, just for, to be blunt, because Pittsburgh people like it straight, you were just a, a really bad father, a really bad example. And you get to your deathbed, and you tell your kids, if you'll just live for God, everything will work out. You know what your kids are going to think, just to be honest with you? Yeah, right. You didn't do it. Why should I do it? You taught me nothing about loving God, and here you are on your deathbed telling me to love God. No. But when you say in your deathbed, you want to be a real man, you want to have power, you want to be a real woman of God, here's what you do, fully submit to God. You want to be blessed in all that you do everywhere you turn, you fully submit to God. And then your kids will think, man, I know that's right because I've seen it in your life. I mean, I've seen it day in and day out. I have seen my dad do that. I know it's true. Let me tell you something. I could preach till I'm blue in the face, and you know that I could do that, by the way, but I could preach till I'm blue in the face. All the oxygen is out of my body, and it will do zero good unless you live that life in front of your kids. I cannot preach to your kids the way that your life preaches to them every single day. I preach for 30 minutes once a week. You live, and the life that you live is preaching to them. Everything, good, bad, and ugly, it's preaching to them, to your grandkids, to your kids preaching to them continually. More, you do more good or more harm than the preaching of your life than I ever will in one sermon. That's a fact. It's reality. Before you can give the blessing to your kids, you've got to live it. And, and, and we're not saying that you literally on your deathbed you bless your kids, although that's perfectly fine. But you want to bless your kids today? The greatest blessing that your kids will ever have in this life is not money. It's not good memories that, you know, you went and did this with them. And all this stuff is well and good. It really is. But the greatest blessing you could ever give your kids is being a man of God, a man of power, a man of strength, a man of prayer. The greatest gift you could ever give your kids is for your kids to see you in worship, whether it's in church or riding down the car or at home, to see you with your knees knelt, at, crying your heart out before the Lord, broken before him, raising your hands in worship before the Lord. Greatest gift you could ever give your kids. It's a legacy. Your life needs to back up those last words. Would your last words be, kids, invest in this stock and you'll be okay? Kids, if you'll do this and this, it'll be okay. No. 
Kids, be a man of God. Be a woman of God. Be a man of strength and a woman of strength. Fully submit to God in everything, and you'll have a blessed life. won't always be perfectly easy. Before you can give it, you have to live it. That's really the question. That's the, that's the juxtaposition today. There's a $5 word that, that's the worth the price of admission this morning. That's the juxtaposition of the issue today. Are you living it? And I don't just mean, well, I'm living it right now. I'm in church. Well, that's obvious. But your kids and your wife, they know the real you when you walk out those doors. So if we were to interview them, would they say, yeah, he, he is living it. And when I think of a man, when I think of a man's man, when I think of what David said, be strong, be a man's man, I think of my husband. Well, your husband's like 50 pounds overweight. Well, you know what? That doesn't matter. I don't think of a big burly guy. No, I think of a man who is humble in prayer, who cries out to God, who obeys him, who submits to him and all that he does. Are you doing that, men? Are you living that life? And those of you that are living that life, and I believe a lot of you are, those of you living that life, be giving that to your kids. Be giving it to your kids all the time. Be showing them, be teaching them, able to teach continually. Teaching them God's ways. I encourage you to do that. Paul's going to come back and, and begin to play. We, the last uh, week or so, was able to spend with my father and uh, yesterday we went to the to the US Open and and to me it was it was interesting for a lot of reasons but I can remember as a kid him doing things for me or with me that I knew he he really didn't enjoy I mean he just didn't really care that much about but he did it because he knew I liked it and yesterday it was kind of reversed. I'm not, I like to play golf, but I, I really don't know that much about it. And, and I went with him and it was like one of the greatest days of his life. I mean, he was like a kid at Christmas in a candy. He just was going crazy and it was really neat. And we wrote him a, a, a Father's Day card and I wrote some nice things in there. And, and um, at the end of the day, I said, well, I hope I'm the favorite son now. And he said, well, you are. So that's good. That's what I, that's really why I did it. No, um, but I can think back and if my father, heaven forbid that would happen to him, he'd pass away. But when I look at these words, I hear his voice. I've never met the apostle Paul. I've never met David. But I know what they're talking about. Because when I read those words, I hear my dad's voice. When I think of, if you were to say to me, character, I think of my dad. You think integrity, I think of my dad. Godliness, I think of my father. Man of prayer, think of my dad. A man's man has nothing to do with how much he can bench or how much he can do or anything like that. No, a man's man is a man that I have seen countless times with his hands raised in prayer. Tears coming down his face. And I can only hope that I leave that legacy for my son. I encourage you, men, before you can give it, you have to live it. Upgrade your life. You can't upgrade your marriage unless you submit to God. You can't upgrade your job or anything else in your life until you give in submission everything to Him. Then you really upgrade with power. Real power is submission to God. Power in submission to God leads to prosperity. But before you can give it, you have to live it. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you, Lord, for your word that is true, that is unchanging. We thank you, Lord, for your love and the hope that you give us. 